Thank you, Mark. Good morning. So, um, yeah, we just took missions offering, and one of the things I want to do, um, I'm planning to be in the Philippines in April, and um, about in the 1980s, uh, um, Pastor Yonggi Cho in, in Seoul, Korea, had the biggest church in the world. I think he still does, a couple hundred thousand members in his church. And there was a delegation of uh, pastors from America that went over the to Korea back then to find out what his success was. And um, they discovered three things that he was doing. One was he was having round-the-clock prayer. Um, another thing is that he had home fellowships. And um, the other thing is that he had women pastors. And uh, so they came back to the United States, and uh, that's kind of when uh, home fellowships became a big big thing in the U.S. was after they came back. And uh, there was also some prayer movements. But one of the things they didn't do was, and you don't see much in America, is you don't see women pastors. But uh, when I go to the Philippines and work with Light Church, they have women pastors. And uh, one of the uh, women pastors they have, uh, she has started three different churches. And the first one she started 20 years ago. And then she started another one six or seven years ago, something like that. And another one four years ago. And she has a burden to become a missionary to Japan. And that's been her uh, heart's desire for a number of years. And so one of the things I want to do when I go to the Philippines in in April is I want to donate $1,000 to this sister uh, to help her to move to Japan. She's still in the Philippines. uh, But... uh, so you could just keep that in mind. Uh, I think that's $1,000 well spent. Is to, She's already established three churches and turned them over to other people that are now pastoring them. And uh, so just uh, that's my two cents on, on missions. And uh, so anyway, uh, a little bit about me. Uh, I had a car accident two months ago and hurt my ribs. I don't know how that happened. It all happened so fast. Uh, and uh, this last week, they just kind of got worse. And so the doctor told me I'm going to have to uh, see a physical therapist. And and so uh, I'm a little um, aware of my frailty. But I'm very thankful, you know, um, Our bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible says. You know, just don't buy into this thing that we we evolved and, you know, we're just, uh, God made us so incredibly, um, amazingly, you know, and one part hurts, uh, the whole part hurts. And uh, I'm just so thankful to to be alive, you know, uh, uh, Simon was saying, you know, and there's a lot of people, they, they just want to be done with this life and get to heaven, you know. Well, 
the reality is I want to stick around for a number of years and keep preaching the gospel and keep taking care of my wife and uh, keep doing the things I'm doing. And when I get to heaven, I'll get to heaven. But uh, God has me here on this earth for, for a short time. And uh, once I'm gone from earth, I can no longer impact earth. And so um, I'm just so thankful to still be on this planet my dad died when he was 60. My mom when she was 66. I'm 69, and uh, I'm 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 shooting for 95. You know, I I I just want to be uh, thankful every day that I wake up and it's a new day, and God still loves me. Uh, my wife still loves me, and uh, so anyway, um, I'm feeling a little frail, but very thankful. To, to have a, a loving God that loves us. Um, I want to talk about God's Word. And uh, I want to talk about how it protects us. It protects us uh, spiritually, morally. And, uh, and so um, I'm just going to start, I guess. Um, and I got a number of scriptures, so if you want to follow along with me, appreciate it. Uh, Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you're with us, and I ask you to help me to share what you've given me to share in the way you want me to share it. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, Jesus died to free us from, from sin which is eternal separation from God. Sin separates us from God. Jesus died to free us not only from sin, but from the consequences of sin. And uh, Mark, for the last couple of weeks, has been talking about the blood of Jesus. You know, Jesus laid down his life so that we would be set free. And we all know that. Thank you, Jesus. Um, now that we're saved, we need to stay saved. We need to be victorious in our walk with Jesus. How do we stay saved? We stay saved by not deliberately turning back to a life of sin. We all have situations where we fall short. And God's grace is abundant. Amen? And uh, thank you for the grace of God. Uh, because um, none of us would be very far in our walk with God if it was not for the grace of God, because He continually um, blesses us and forgives us and walks with us and heals us and strengthens us and does all kinds of amazing things. So, um, I got Isaiah 53, 6 here. I can read it or you can turn there. Uh, but it says, all of us have, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. So what this says is that the problem with mankind is each of us has turned to his own way. Each of us has become a God unto himself. And we're going to look at... Uh, 
how that has come about here in a, uh, as we go along. But the Bible is very clear that people are like sheep. And sheep are kind of an interesting kind of a creature. God made them the way they are. I don't believe that sheep just evolved to become sheep. God created the animals, and they have peculiarities. They have uh, characteristics that God placed in them. And so when God created sheep, he created them with this ability to just wander off, uh, each going their own way. And the Bible says that there were, guy had a hundred sheep and 99 of them were just fine, but one of them just decided to go his own way. And uh, so when the shepherd got back to the pen at night, he counted all his sheep and uh, Billy Joe was missing. It was like, okay, where's Billy Joe? Well, he went his own way. He went astray. So anyway, um, in John we read about the good shepherd. He's the one that died for the sheep. But anyway, John one twenty nine quotes uh, uh, what John the Baptist was saying. John one twenty nine. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him. John had already told his disciples that there was going to be one greater than him, that that uh, he was a forerunner, and there was going to be one greater than him that was going to take away the sin of the world. And uh, and then here in John one twenty nine, it says the next day, so the next day after he's telling some of his disciples this, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Do you know what a lamb is? That's another name for a sheep. So we see in Isaiah that sheep just go astray. And they they all have their own way. They all want to be their own boss. And Jesus comes along and John says, Oh, here's a sheep. Here's a sheep. Here's the Lamb of God. So Jesus became one of us. We're all sheep. He became a sheep. But a different kind of a sheep. We're all born in sin because our ancestors got us there. But he was sinless. He wasn't born in sin. He came to take away our sin. Isn't that cool? It says he was led to the slaughter as a sheep. And he didn't draw back in fear. I was just reading, uh, um, well, in my own devotions, I'd just been reading um, a commentator, a um, guy by the name of Morris, uh, on the book of John. It's 700 pages. And so it's taken me like two months to get through the book of John here recently. I just read chapter 21 yesterday, but the last week I've been reading about the crucifixion. And... Uh, You know, um, Jesus, he didn't turn back in fear. He In the Garden of Gethsemane, he's saying, Lord, uh, uh, you know, if there's any other way, 
uh, I wouldn't mind. But uh, God said, no, there's no other way. Mankind's dead in their sins, and you're the only one that can pay for their penalty because you're the sinless one. Jesus said, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. And uh, that's the guy we love, amen? We love him with our whole heart. So uh, anyway, let's look at the Word of God. I've talked a little bit about Jesus here. Talked a little bit about sheep. We're going to go to John 18, 36. John 18, 36 to 38. Jesus was talking to the Roman uh, governor, Pilate. Pilate was uh, questioning him whether he was a king because the Jews were accusing him of claiming to be a king. Well, Jesus wasn't the kind of king that Pilate was thinking about. He wasn't trying to overthrow uh, the Roman Empire, he was, but he was a king, but a different kind of a king than a political king. So anyway, let's see what uh, goes on here in this conversation. John eighteen thirty six. My kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. As it is, my kingdom does not have its origin here. You're a king then, Pilate asked. You say that I'm a king, Jesus replied. I was born for this, and I have come into the world for this to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So here's the word of God here. It comes through his voice. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What is truth, said Pilate. Pilate wasn't really listening to Jesus' voice. Pilate wasn't really listening to the Word of God. There is a truth that is eternal. The world doesn't recognize it. The world doesn't pay attention to the words of Jesus. Pilate really doesn't listen very carefully to what Jesus had to say. He missed his opportunity to be saved. He was talking to God. Can you imagine talking to God and not really paying attention to what he's having to say? Jesus is saying, yeah, you're right, I'm a king, but my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate should have been, well, hey, tell me about your kingdom. Sounds pretty cool. I want to know more about your kingdom. No, Pilate wasn't. Pilate missed his opportunity. So even though we're saved, we come to God with all kinds of personal and cultural ways of thinking. So, um, and sometimes God speaks to us and we don't really listen. So that's kind of the thrust of my message today. God Sometimes we don't really listen to what God wants to say to us because we have our own uh, preconceived 
ideas about reality, about ourselves, about our destiny, about our desires. And um, we want to be set free from anything that hinders us from being uh, walking in God's best for us. Let's put it that way. Amen? I want to walk in what's God destined from the foundation of the earth for me to be uh, giving glory to God by the way I live in this world. And that doesn't come easy. I have to learn how to walk with God and how to be pleasing to God. And so um, we do that through His Word. So let's turn to Psalm 119, 9 through 11. Psalm 119, 9 to 11. Psalm 119, verse 9. Now the Bible speaks of men, but it doesn't exclude women. It basically means human humans. How can a young man keep his way? Uh, it doesn't... Uh, mean just men. It applies to women also. How can a young man keep his way pure? Well, you know, uh, I've known the Lord for 44 years. 45? No, 46. Wow, time flies. It's 44 years I've been married. 46 years I've known the Lord. And uh, I haven't always kept my way pure, but I want to. And so I want to know, well, how do I keep my way pure? By keeping your word. Oh, okay. That's how I can keep my way pure, by keeping God's word. Okay, that's cool. I have sought you with all my heart. You have to have a heart relationship with God that you want to be pleasing to Him and you have to search for Him with all your heart. If you search with Him with all your heart, you're going to find Him. If you're just kind of lackadaisical about your walk with God and you only come to church on Sunday and you're not really serious about the reality that God has saved you and set you free, then you're not really going to seek Him with all your heart. It's important to seek Him and to seek to know His Word. I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. We can pray to God. Lord, I don't know how to wander from your commands, but you gave me your Holy Spirit and He is the power of God unto salvation and He can help me to walk in a manner that pleases you 100%. I believe we can walk 100% pleasing to God. Not just 12%. Not just once in a while. Not just on Sunday mornings. Not just when we feel good. But even when our ribs are sore and our pocketbook uh, is challenged, 
and uh, all kinds of things. You know, a uh, friend of mine, friends of mine, uh, their daughter, Talitha, her husband just died tragically uh, this last week, uh, just totally unexpectedly. Um, and uh, I don't know how to extend comfort very well to a gal that's been married for nine months and her husband tragically uh, is killed. But I can pray that the Lord would comfort them. I can pray that, the, that in the Word of God there is comfort for the brokenhearted. And so I can pray that from the Word of God she will receive some comfort. And it says in Hebrews, it says that the Word of God is living. So I can pray this way. I can say, living Word of God, Jesus Christ, He's the living Word of God. Come to Talitha and put your arms around her and bring your comfort to her. And uh, this is the kind of Word of God that we have. Living Word of God. So verse 11 here says, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. I treasure God's words. I read the word of God every day because I want to have a relationship with the Word of God. The Word of God is living. I want a relationship with God. So I read the Word of God every day. I meditate on the Word of God. Giselle was saying, do you ever thank God quietly? We were driving to church today. We get out of the car. We get into the car and we get out of the garage. And I say, thank you, Jesus. And she goes, do you ever thank God quietly? And I said, yeah. She says, well, I think you're talking to me. And I said, well, I, I like to thank God all the time because I'm so thankful. I'm thankful that we got in the car on time. I'm thankful that we got to church uh, without an accident on these icy roads. And yeah, I, I, I want to be thankful. Thankful to God. Okay, let's look at... Uh, Let's look at Joshua 1. Joshua. Joshua. He was a young man that followed Moses wherever he went. Some scholars think that he was Moses' uh, uh, actually, oh, he was obviously Moses' assistant. Some people think he was Moses' servant, Moses' slave. Uh, but anyway, he was Moses' assistant. And when Moses would appear before God, Joshua always tagged along. Joshua didn't really have any official uh, title. You know, he wasn't the Moses, but he was Moses' servant. And he just tagged along. And uh, now in Joshua 1, Moses has died. And God told Moses to pray for Joshua that Joshua could now be leading the people of God. 
And so in Joshua 1, verses 7 and 8, and I copied this from the Message Bible. So God is speaking to Joshua here. So when God speaks, this is the Word of God. Amen? So all through the Bible it says God said, God spoke. These are God's words. So here, here's God's words here to, to uh, Joshua. Make sure you carry out the revelation that Moses commanded you, every bit of it. Don't get off track, either left or right, so as, so as to make sure you get to where you're going. And don't for a minute let this book of the revelation be out of your mind. Ponder and meditate on it day and night, making sure you practice everything written in it. Then you'll get where you're going. Then you'll succeed. So, these are not just words to Joshua, they're words to all of us. Make sure you practice everything written in this book. Then you're going to get where you're going. Then you're going to succeed. Hallelujah. Okay, now, let's look at John 1, 1 to 3. And we're going to continue talking about the Word here. John chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. And I'm going to read it out of the NIV. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Now I want you to picture what the world was like before God created the world. I know that sounds kind of strange. But in the beginning, before God created the world, there was the Word of God. Because the Word of God was in the beginning. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. The Word of God wasn't created. The Word was, before there was any creation, the Word of God was. And so, at that time, um, that was before time was created. So, uh, when you say at that time, I, I, I don't know what that means. Because time hadn't been created yet. Space hadn't been created yet. In the beginning, there was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. So at that time, there was uh, nothing like this first verse that I word, read. All the sheep have gone their own way. There was only one way. There was only one Word. There wasn't a multiplicity of words like we have today. There was only God's Word. Can you picture that? Complete unity. No disharmony. No, uh, no counter arguments. There was just God's Word. Amen? Okay, there are no competing interests. No disharmony in the universe. Whatever the universe was like before there was a universe. 
Okay, Psalm 33, 6 says, The heavens were made by the word of God, and the stars, all the stars, by the breath of his mouth. So before the heavens were created, there was the word of God, and the word of God created the heavens. So um, there was actually only one word in the universe. There was no confusion. There was only beauty, harmony. Okay. And eventually, eventually the Word of God spoke in Genesis 1.26. We can read it. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it. Then God said, so here is the word of God saying something. Genesis 1.26 Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. God spoke and it was done. So there came a day when God spoke, let us make man. And then he made man. It says he took his hands and picked up some clay and molded a man. And then the Spirit of God was breathed into him. And he became a living soul, the Bible says. Now at that time, there was only the Word of God. Adam and Eve only listened to God. They weren't listening to any other word. There was, no, uh, there was no sin in the world. There was no confusion. There was just God would come and speak with Adam and Eve. And um, that was the condition. And we don't know how long that was, but it came to an end. And um, there came a word from the father of lies. The devil, Satan, who sought to overthrow God's kingdom, we read in Isaiah 14. This guy, this archangel, came into the garden that God put on the earth, that, the, uh, that God had made for Adam and Eve. And uh, let's look at what, it, what happened here in Genesis 3, verses 1 to 4. Remember, before this time, there was only one word. And now we find the father of lies coming into the world and um, speaking lies. Genesis 3, verses 1 to 4. Now the serpent was more cunning, was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? Well, yeah, he, um, he really did say. You can't eat from any tree. Can, you can't eat from any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, You must not eat it or touch it or you will die. So up to this point, there's only one word. 
But this is verse 4. This is what the devil said. No, you will not die. The serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So here came an opposing word that opposed the very word of God. God himself was being opposed by a contrary word. Originally, there was only one word. Adam and Eve just implicitly believed everything God said. But this cunning creature spoke a lie. And Adam and Eve bought it because uh, they wanted to be like God. Well, they already were like God. They were created in His image. But uh, that cunning devil spoke a lie, and he's still speaking lies today. He's still speaking lies today. And we need to know the Word of God so that we aren't tricked by his tricks. And the other thing is, Adam and Eve knew the Word of God, but they didn't obey it. So there's two parts. We have to know the Word of God, and we have to be willing to obey it. And uh, so this is what happened, though. Suddenly upon the scene, there was a word not from God, and it brought disaster. Is it because God is wicked that he sends people to hell? No, it is because the devil is wicked and men bought into his lies. We live in a permissive age where we value our so-called freedom, a humanist mindset that implies that we can determine our own values apart from whatever God might think. This is the world we live in, in America, in the West. People fall into a myriad of competing philosophies. So, uh, you know, I'll be going to, uh, well, I've been to India. They're, they're, they're Buddhists and they're Hindus and there's Muslims there. And they got all kinds of different philosophies. They don't really care what God says. They're, they, you know, Hindus, they don't even believe there's a God. They just believe there's a, you know, if, you know, they believe there's millions of gods. They're just demons is what they are. You know, and Buddhists, they don't believe in God. They just believe that there's ultimate reality, whatever that is. They don't believe in a personal God. So there's all these competing philosophies all in the world. Yet only God's word is true. Only God's word is true. But Buddhists, they don't care what the word of God says. They, they, they could care less. Hindus, they, they, they got their own beliefs. And so the world is filled with all these different lies, all these competing words, yet only the word of God is true. In the beginning, there was the word of God. There was only one word. You can't find anything in this word of God that contradicts anything else in the word of God. It was written by the Holy Spirit. It's the complete Word of God, and it is eternal, and it's living. The Word of God is living, and He's alive today, and He lives in you and me. 
And we must value the Word of God. Uh, let's see. Romans 3, 10 to 12. This is what Apostle Paul said. This has all happened because Adam and Eve bought the devil's lie. And they were no longer listening to only one word. And only obeying one word. Because of that, this is what happened. This, this is the state of affairs here, Romans 3, 10 to 12. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. So there is, the world is filled with all these competing words. words. All of them are lies. Everything that disagrees with the Word of God is a lie. This is what the Bible says about the age we live in. And the responsibility of elders. So turn to 2 Timothy 4, 1-4. This is what the Bible says. It's the Word of God. Thank you, Jesus, for babies. Thank you, Lord. Okay, 2 Timothy 4, 1-4. So this is uh, Paul charging Timothy, uh, and it's a charge for elders. In the presence of God and of, of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. We're talking about the word of God. It needs to be preached. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. Why do Christians need to be corrected, rebuked, and encouraged? Because we don't always know the Word of God. When we're saved, we don't know nothing. All we know is that Jesus saved us. That's all we know. We have to be taught. Our brain has to be informed. This guy. In our heart. Our hearts need to be transformed by the Word of God. Preach the Word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Careful instruction. How should people be instructed in the Word of God? Very carefully. You know, it says teachers are under greater... uh, responsibility to teach the Word of God correctly. You know, there are churches that preach all kinds of things that are, that are incorrect. There are ch- churches that have pastors that aren't even saved. There's churches like that. They preach that homosexuals can be pastors. They preach that, um, you know, you don't even have to be holy because God forgives us. And His grace, it doesn't matter how sinful you are, 
God's grace is 